I'm willing to bet you've heard of Tim Keller. Keller is the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. My friends and I joke about how he is the quote unquote Pope of the PCA, the Presbyterian Church of America. But his influence goes beyond the PCA. And one of the things he's most known for is being a proponent of what many call the third way. That's an approach that rejects either or categories in some of the most heated areas of our society. Today, I am joined by a longtime PCA church member who happens to also be married to a PCA pastor who has some personal insights on this third way. Can you guess how this approach is working given the current political climate? What happens when you make a false assumption that everyone is coming to the table in good faith? Keep listening as my friend Robin Jester Wooten joins me for this conversation. I'm Amy Fritz, and you're listening to the Untangled Faith Podcast, a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned with their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all that is not good or true, this is the place for you. Hey, friends, before we dive into today's conversation, I wanted to remind you that this week, Sunday, February 5th at 8 p.m. Central Time, I'll be kicking off a book club for my Patreon members who support the show at a $7 a month level or more. Our first book is The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb by Jamin Goggin and Kyle Strobel. It changed my life when I read it, and I know you will love it too. For more information or to sign up, go to patreon.com slash untangledfaith. That's patreon.com slash untangledfaith. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Sometime last year, I stumbled across some tweets from Robin Jester Wooten. I could tell immediately that she was a kindred spirit. Robin is a deep thinker. She loves Jesus, and she cares about the health of the local church, specifically the denomination she's in, the PCA. And that care has led her to ask some really hard questions. I wanted to talk to her about what she's observed with her own personal experience with the third way approach and its impact on her own life. But first, I wanted to know what led her to the place where she cared about all of this. Here's our conversation. Why don't you explain a little bit about like, why do you care about (laughs) the church? And like, how did you get to be someone that really cared about the health, especially of like the denomination that you are a part of? It's an excellent question. Um, the, The short story is that the church really saved me. I mean, Jesus saved me, obviously, but, um, I had spent a lot of my adult life from the time I graduated college till I was about 30-ish, 35, um, just running away from the church. I had grown up in a Christian home, went to Baptist church and and to a Baptist uh, Christian school for some of the time. And um, there's a lot I could say there, but... um, you know, I had been become so uh, disillusioned with the church and its um, ability to speak into the really deep issues of the world and what it means yeah. to be a Christian and to live the Christian life and to follow Jesus. And I felt all my questions were just answered with, you know, rhetoric that just didn't quite add up. Or they were just shut down, like, well, we don't ask those questions. Good Christians yeah. don't ask those questions. <laughs> yeah. 
And you should be okay with that. Because <laughs> I, I spent a lot of my life, um, you know, so much of what we've seen now in this, you know, called deconstruction movement. Um, I, I experienced that in the 80s and 90s um, and just became so frustrated with Christians who didn't want to dive into those conversations with me at the time. And so I, I spent a good part of my 20s and early 30s running as fast as I could from the church and Christians. Uh, in 2007, uh, the summer of 2007, I was really at rock bottom. And uh, I don't want to give all the details, but uh, it was just really a rock bottom experience for me. And it was when I most clearly realized that I really did need Jesus. And so I, I came back to Christ, a lot of uh, that story. Um, I ended up going to uh, my parents and and kind of crawling back to them and saying, can I live with you for a little while? They had been going to a PCA church, Presbyterian Church in America mm-hmm. in Virginia, which they're not Presbyterian either. Uh, they're, they're Reformed Baptists, but it was the closest thing they could find in their area to <laughs> Reformed Baptists. Um, and so they ended up there. Um, it was clearly God's providence, because the first Sunday that I went to the church with them, the pastor uh, just showed me the gospel in a way that I just hadn't ever heard it before. Mm-hmm. And whether or not it was that I just wasn't willing to hear it or or it was just um, the way that he was just so gracious and kind, uh, it really did lead me to repentance. And so... Um, he and the other pastor were just really excited to for me to be there, and they just threw all kinds of books at me and helped me to understand what it, what it meant to be a Christian, um, and and then what it meant to be in the Presbyterian Church. And so I just dove in. I was like, I want to know everything, uh, and that's kind of how I I started. My career with the, the PCA, they ended up hiring me as the music director, and um, and, out, and I did a lot of outreach events for them. And uh, it was just such a sweet time of ministry for me. And I thought, this is it. This is what the church is supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed all of the PCA was like that. Yeah. When well, uh, you say this is what yeah. it's supposed to be like, what was what was that like? What are the like hallmarks that you what were so important to you? Yeah. I mean, just going back to, you know, answering questions, not being afraid of questions. That mm-hmm. was a big deal for me. Uh they were both pastors were more than welcoming of anything I threw at them, anything anyone threw. Like they wanted to have those conversations. They were not shut down in any way. Um, one of the big things early on when I first got there, we started doing um, Tim Keller's study on the prodigal God, which is mm-hmm. a retelling of the story of, of what we all tend to call the prodigal son. But yeah. we find out it's not really even about the prodigal son. It's it's about God and the father. And anyway, um, that, that was really just uh, shifted the way I viewed uh, the stories in the Bible, like I'm, I've been missing something in the Bible all this time. The big piece for me um, was that they didn't just, it wasn't just this like holy huddle, right? We, we we just have our Christian friends at church. We do everything with our church friends. We do everything for Sunday morning worship. It was also this uh, intentional outreach to be part of the community, mm-hmm. to be uh 
you know, looking for ways that the church could partner with what's happening in the community to help meet people's needs. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was able to do um, was to take music and art and to create uh, an artist community through the church and to really uh, support artists, both Christian and non-Christian. Yeah. Uh, we we just started relationships with people in the community and in the music and arts world. And that was, it was just such a great way to, uh, to start relationships with people. And um, uh, I was so uh, supported by the church and, and everyone thought that, uh, you know, this was one intentional way that we can reach into the community instead of always having the community come to the church. Yeah, it was yeah. more of the church mobilized to go out into the community, and uh, and that and that was just a great uh, a time of of ministering together through that church. I, I miss it. A lot. I miss that yeah. that whole time period. It was great. <laughs> so yeah, that's why I'm in the PCA. And even uh, so, to build on that, I at one point thought I was going to leave the PCA because of all the troubles that. What's happening now is not anything new. It's been building for years. Um, and I was praying, God, just, you know, if this is my time to leave, then, you know, let me be able to discern that and find a place where I can uh, worship and bring my gifts. Um, and then he sent me my now husband, who is a PCA pastor. <laughs> Hard and to leave we, the PCA when your husband's a PCA pastor. That that is correct. Yes. <laughs> so we we just had our tenth anniversary um, in December. So these ten years, uh, I've been a PCA pastor's wife, and uh, for better or for worse. And um, you know, when I met him and we started talking and praying about whether we were going to get married. I absolutely asked all those questions like how, how uh, committed am I to being a, a pastor's wife, which I knew had its own unique struggles. And then are we going to stay in the PCA forever? Like, is this kind of my, (laughs) my final sentence? (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and we had those conversations, honestly, and, and I would not have married him if he wasn't someone who's going to say, you know, PCA do or die. Um, and I, I don't want to talk about that, but, um, it it was definitely one of those conversations where it's like, are we open to wherever God's leading us? Could it be possible that God's leading us somewhere else? And so far God has not led us anywhere. Like we've prayed God, if, If you open a door somewhere else, we're going to go through it. But so far, this is where we've been. And to bring it back around, you know, this laboring in a context where this kind of middle ground has the most power, we're always going to be pitched as the extreme on one side. Someone Mm -hmm. like me is always going to be an extremist. And and I put it in context, like people who know of, say, Tim Keller, mm-hmm. and I say, if you can picture a place where Tim Keller is an extreme progressive liberal, mm-hmm. like if you could put those words onto him, then yes. you understand the context I'm in. <laughs> because from the outside world looking in, Tim Keller is nothing, but you know, he does, nobody's going to call him a liberal. No one's going to call him progressive, right? Like from the larger picture of the whole yeah. entire world, he's not that guy. 
I mean, I would say PCA is pretty conservative to begin with, but like <laughs> yeah. uh, people that are even farther right do consider Keller progressive in things, in some things that he has said. And so it is a really interesting, I suppose it's really, there's a lot of tension in this place where you sit, where you say, I appreciate a lot of what Keller has brought to the conversation. However, <laughs> I have a few things I'd like to say, or a few concerns that I have, not that I think he's a bad person, but concerns about this elevation of I am too conservative for this side and too progressive for this side. So I must be following Jesus. And this is the holy place to be. So what has been your experience with that? And how how is that stance not served? You know, where the rubber meets the road and what you have seen, where has that that experience sort of failed in reality? <laughs> How much time do we have? Any examples that you have? <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, the the most clear example that I have is since you know in twenty twenty. Of course, everyone has an example from twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where it really kind of came to a head for a lot of us in ministry, where we've been trying to do this kind of what, what they may call a third way, where mm-hmm. I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm somewhere else. And they don't like calling it a middle because that sounds like a compromise. And it's yeah, not a it's compromise. It's the third way. I should say yeah. that. I should clarify yeah, it, that. It's, yeah, it's definitely this kind of third way. And I call it the both sides, like uh, the, the both sides in political speak. It's not quite what I mean. What I mean is, for both sides to come together and to agree what we can agree on and allow us to disagree on whatever we disagree on. Um, and that methodology in the church, it, it comes out of this place of what, what I've understood. It's, it's really peacemakers. Mm-hmm. There's uh, that huge like ministry called peacemakers ministry that started many years ago. And, mm-hmm. and step one is we all address the sin in our own life. Like we mm-hmm. all look at how we're sinning. We all look at the, you know, that plank versus the speck in your eye. Um, and and we do that work, self-introspection. What am I doing wrong instead of focusing on what other people are doing wrong? Those are all good godly principles for any mature Christian. If everyone is coming with the best intentions and everyone is healthy, and there's no issues with abuse of power, then it, it is absolutely a wonderful way. Yes. However, you, you absolutely <laughs> nailed it because it's it's this, this assumption, we're, we're coming into it, we're kind of prejudiced with this idea that everyone is doing the same work. Mm-hmm. And we're not. We're not all doing the same work. And it becomes more evident as people try to defend themselves or they try to pitch whatever is the ideological opposite of them as the evil one or the or or the heretic, right? They start asking questions about your salvation. You know, as soon as people start doing that, I have to step back and say, did you even do step one? <laughs> right? like, did you even get past step one yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it, it doesn't seem that way to me. Or it becomes sort of a, like Chuck DeGroote calls it the faux vulnerability. Yes. Where there is like a show 
of introspection yes. isn't doesn't cost anything really when you press into it. It doesn't really address the some things that are actually ongoing yeah. where, where you're like, well, I see this thing is on fire and you're talking about, you're introspecting about something else entirely that's sort of like a humble brag when you come to, when yeah. it comes down oh, to yeah. it. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I bring all that peacemaker stuff up because um, the church that we were at in 2020, my husband and I were called to plant a church out of the peacemaking church. And it was the church, Rocky Mountain Community Church in Billings, Montana, where Ken Sandy, the founder of Peacemaking Ministries, um, had been attending. It was the church that launched the, the peacemaking ministry. People there still work for for peacemakers. We came into this church. I mean, there was a paper that we signed that said we were going to follow peacemaking principles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We signed this paper and we think, you know, both of us were just like, this is so refreshing. We love this. Uh, you know, here's a church that really gets it. They really understand conflict. And little did we know, a year later, we'd be fired for speaking out. Mm. And so, I mean, not, not even a full year. We, we were, we came out in September of 2019 and by, by October of 2020, we're getting a three page letter of everything we've done wrong, sent out to the entire session, the, the elder board. Wow. With no warning. I mean, no warning, no warning at all. Uh, no indication that this was going to happen. And we we didn't, even in receiving that email uh, with that letter, we, we had no idea that it was going to mean Rob's job. Like that wasn't even, that didn't even cross our minds. Mm-hmm. Like we thought, okay, we just need to address these concerns. We need to talk it through, right? And mm-hmm. within a month, by Thanksgiving of that year, we were fired. We were asked to leave. So I, you know, we're finally at a place, here we are in 2023, and mm-hmm. we're finally at this place where we can really look back and be more clear about what happened. Because, uh, you know, the fog of 2021, like we were just in this constant fog for the year. Like, I don't even know what happened. Like, I don't, I don't know what happened. But we've been kind of unpacking it, and uh, we realized, in part, I think, it was this... Uh, it was a result of this kind of both sides movement of you can't say things that sound extreme on either side. Like we don't like the people who are, you know, uber conservative right wing saying things like you can only vote for Trump or you're not a Christian. Like we don't, we're not going to accept that. On the other side, though, we're also not going to accept people who are questioning the people that say that, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like we're not we're not going to address, you know, the the more clear in my mind, the more clear heresy, like actually saying you can't be a Christian if you don't vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a clear heresy. But we're not even going to address that. We're also going to get rid of the people like me, like Robin, who comes in and says, "Well, wait a minute." That's unfair. And that's, it's almost abusive to say that, especially when it's coming from well-known pastors. 
mean, we, we've heard very public pastors get on radio shows and say those kinds of things. It's like, well, someone's got to address that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we've labored in this kind of both sides. Like, let's, let's just look at all the sides. Everyone's at fault somehow. You know, the, the consequences of the actions of some people are never really addressed. But then you have people like me and my husband who are asking the questions. Uh, and and we end up getting fired. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, so then we question, well, does the PCA really, do they really believe that we have to be this third way? Like, do they really understand what that means? And, and do, can they really continue to say that they're kind of this almost neutral, like they, it's almost a neutrality, we're never called to be neutral. Like yeah. we're never called to be neutral. Yeah, and it's a claim of neutrality when in 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 actuality it doesn't act neutral. Has that been your experience or not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean it wasn't neutral towards you. <laughs> it was not neutral. And when we we try to push back and try to um ask for help within the PCA, we were told you there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Now, yeah, we look back on it all like it was 2020. We were all we're all exhausted from everything that happened in 2020. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of the elders that knew about our situation that could have maybe done something, just like, let's just play this out. Let's just see how how this goes. And at the time, Rob and I were just, we were just trying to find a job. I mean, we had just bought a house. We had just like settled in. Our kids were devastated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there, there was so much that we were dealing with personally. It was like, we're not going to take on the whole PCA right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, who, who can do that? <laughs> yeah. There are very few people that can withstand all of that. And so, uh, I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's like we we just made the decision. We're just gonna quietly walk away. I mean, and I say quietly. I you know I posted some things that got me into trouble. But um, <laughs> asking these questions, like why? What kind of questions were you asking that got you into trouble? Now for a quick break. I'm not sure what your impression is of counseling. Maybe it sounds scary to you. I used to have this idea that counselors would be able to read my mind and all of the things I didn't want anyone to know about would suddenly be revealed. And then I started going to a counselor and experienced what it was really like. Guess what? I got to decide what I was ready to talk about with my counselor. If you've been considering getting started with counseling, Faithful Counseling makes it so easy to get started. You can start the process without even picking up the phone to talk to someone. The Untangled Faith podcast is brought to you by my listeners who support me on Patreon. It is also brought to you by Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a Christian counseling service with more than 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states with access by video or phone sessions or chat or text. There are therapists with expertise in trauma, depression, family conflicts, and more. You can ask for a new counselor at any time and financial aid is available for those who qualify. Untangled Faith podcast listeners get 10% off their first month from our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled. Fill out a questionnaire and you'll be matched with a counselor. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled. And now back to the show. I I don't mind sharing at all because, um, you know, one of the questions that I had was here I am, this Asian American woman 
the church I was in, I was probably one of two non-white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so one of the issues that had come up that year, of course, with Black Lives Matter, and mm-hmm. then having Kamala Harris being a, a candidate for vice president and some of the racism, blatant racism that came mm-hmm. out through all of that election cycle. And one of the things that got me into trouble with the church was that I had posted something asking about uh do we have this narrative of biracial people? And I'm asking because my children are biracial and I have faced racism all my life and anti-Asian hate. And when I, when I posted that, there, there are people from the church who were incredibly aggressive and insulting and mm. questioning my integrity, calling me a liar. I mean, on my Facebook page, Everybody could see it. I had friends from like, oh, you know, 20 years ago jumping on like, why are you attacking Robin? (laughs) I mean, it was it was pretty bad. And when we tried to address that with the church, like this is a member of your church attacking one of the pastor's wives quite publicly. They came back and asked me to sign a social media agreement. Wow. And so, (laughs) you know, I don't want to go into all the details, but... (laughs) You're not the only one that I have heard that has worked at a church who has gotten in trouble for asking questions on social media that should not have been a problem. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, again, this kind of neutrality that we're talking about, it's like they did that to me. You know, how is it that we see some pretty hateful rhetoric coming out of other churches, pastors, staff members? Not, and that doesn't seem to be curbed at all. Mm-hmm. So that's not neutrality. Yeah, it's not neutrality. And and the the church member who who attacked me online, he got a slap on the wrist. Mm. That's not neutrality. No. And so yeah, it it becomes this false, uh, like like you're saying, Degrad uh, has said. It's like this false kind of like. Oh, we're, we're being we're being as uh, neutral as as uh, you know this both sidesism like we're looking at all the sides we're trying to treat everybody equally and and one one of the uh, things that I've been really working on and I'm not the only one obviously um, you know uh, Dr. Langberg Dan Langberg's work on power has just been phenomenal. She's part really, of the PCA, isn't she? She is. I don't know if she wants people to know that, but yeah, she is. <laughs> she is. You know, what's interesting about her, like she's been doing this for a lot longer than all of us, and, and she's she's amazing. And it's amazing to me that these guys read her, listen to her, and it's like, well, are you getting it? Are you getting what she's saying? Um, because her book on power was a light bulb for me, like, this is it. This is what happens. We're we're doing step one of peacemakers as if we're all equal. Yeah. And we're not. You can't start off with, with equality because that's not where we're at. I mean, yeah. even I, I know we don't have time to go into this, but even even in like a complementarian system, we're already starting off with an inequality. Yeah. I'm a woman. I only have so much power. I think what's interesting about Dr. Langberg is that she has this understanding that is that first step of 
not only might I be wrong, but also the system has been infected. Yes. Yes. And I think that is missing in so many of our our faith communities of this understanding that says, you know what? We do believe in a sin nature. And that means it applies to me too. Yeah. It applies to the pastor I love deeply. And it means there are things that are happening and things that we do that we aren't seeing, that we don't see clearly in ourselves. And we need to be willing for someone else to see it and for us to receive it. But I think sometimes we, not just sometimes, many times we lose that, like, you know, we are called by the Lord. We are specially anointed for this moment and Mm -hmm. God is using us. So therefore any question must be an attack from Satan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we see that a lot, don't we? All the criticism, no matter where it comes from, criticism is taken as an attack. You know, I, I think, um, you know, one one of the things that I I want all of us to kind of do in these circles is to think about criticism, who we take it from and why, and then kind of unpack that sense of, are, are there people who are laboring in good faith trying to point out something we don't see? Yes. And yeah, there absolutely are. There are people who are going to see things that I don't see. I mean, and and that's just a given. It should be a given, right? Yeah. And so I need to humbly say, well, they they could have something that I, I'm just missing, and I, and that's the body of Christ. That's why we're together. We we help each other figure those things out. Um, and so yeah, I I really want us to get better at criticism. I mean, there's certainly people who just seem to. I don't. This, this is me doing a both sides kind of thing, where it's like, well, well, you're you're acknowledging there 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 are different ways people approach the situation. Some people won't ever be satisfied because they just don't like the church or they don't like the denomination at all. Yeah. They want it to burn down. Uh, but there yeah. are there <laughs> are people that are saying there's a problem, and I don't want it to burn down. I just mm-hmm. want to have the conversation, you know, help us be yeah. less terrible, as Bob Smetana <laughs> said. I'm sure he right. he was quoting somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I've been shut down just because I'm part of the PCA. There's certain women who, who just can't listen to me because they know I'm in the system. I 100% get that. And mm-hmm. I am not going to try to argue with them. Yeah, I, I, I see you, sister, and I get it. And yeah. it's okay. I'm not going to be the one to talk to you. And I don't have to be. Yeah. Um, and so I just bow out of those conversations. I don't need, I don't need to be in that. Uh, and so I, I get that. And um, I just want to talk to my people. You know, I yeah. want my people to listen to me and, and that, you know, not just me, I'm not trying to elevate myself, but there's, there's plenty of us trying to make this case for, you know, both the both sides approach has failed. It has mm-hmm. failed us. And as as much as they want to make it the most godly approach to all the issues that we're having, it is not anymore. I mean, yeah. maybe it never was, and that that's arguable. Yeah. But you can tell yeah. me if I am seeing this correctly. I have not paid attention to the PCA for 
ever until we started attending a PCA <laughs> church a little over uh, a year ago. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I am now at a PCA church. We are not members because I couldn't bring myself to make a vow and be like, oh, I sure. have a vow to be under church discipline of people yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> and I don't yeah. even know. I, think, I feel like I'm one statement away from church discipline anyways <laughs> at all times. Yes. And so not that I distrust <laughs> these people because of real reasons. I don't even know these people, you know, in this session. I mean, I'm getting to know them now. And yeah. Um, but what I have seen with the third way is that in reality, it 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 is still calls out sin, but only on one side really. Um it's really afraid to call out sin I would say when I, you know, when you say sides, it's hard to say, but like the yeah. more conservative right politically and theologically somebody is, the less likely it seems that the PCA is willing, depending on the session, but in general, it seems like less willing to call out those issues. And so the third way really does benefit certain people more than others. Has that been your your experience? I'm like yeah. leaning to my right as I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So when we talk about what's happened with um January 6th or yeah. racism or you know accusations of abuse of power and spiritual abuse or even physical abuse in our churches the the more conservative one is theologically and politically, the less comfortable they are with those conversations. And it doesn't seem like there's a real hospitable uh, atmosphere to those sorts of questions. Tell me what you think about that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's been kind of the dividing line of the PCA since it started. What What's interesting about the PCA, I think, is that and I say this to people all the time, there's two PCAs. There, there are some, like years ago, uh, Dr. Brian Chapel was the president of Covenant Seminary, the official seminary of the PCA. Um, he wrote this thing kind of dividing the PCA into three sides. They're not really sides. I guess three segments. Sections, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and, you know, this idea that there are people who are mostly concerned with doctrine that, that's all they're really concerned about, theology and doctrine. Get your theology and doctrine right, whatever that means. And then you have the people who are the pious who are like, let's just build our church. Let's focus on on uh, discipleship and let's, let's have people live the right way. And then there's a third group that's more like transformation. Like we want to see our churches transform the communities they're in. We want the churches to be a positive influence and outreach into the community and the culture around them. So those are kind of the three methods of of ministry, church ministry. What is the church all about? Why are we here? What are we doing? And so he kind of broke up the PCA into those three groups. And I think what's happened over the course of my you know, tenure with the PCA, uh, these groups have become more and more radicalized in that. I mean, the whole world's been radicalized. Yeah. But uh, they become more radicalized in the sense that the people who are like what we call the doctrinalists, the ones who are like super into theology and doctrine, you have to get your theology in a row. They are the ones who are the most vocal about everybody else uh, 
needing to get on their side. Mm. And so they're going to be the most aggressive, the loudest, complaining about all the things. Like, look at those people. You know, look at Robin Robin. They're doing all these terrible things. Like, they're going to be the ones who are who are striving for this uniformity in church. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the 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 broad middle group of people who are more like, let's just do church the way we need to in our community, which is that kind of uh, that broad middle group. And then people like us who are like, we just want to do ministry in my neighborhood. That's all mm-hmm. I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, we tend to be much more like we're we're not going to expend the energy to fight those other people. We're we're just not. We're not going to. We want to do local ministry, and and contextualize the ministry that we have to where we are, and not pay attention to what everybody else is doing. I don't have time to pay attention to what everybody yeah. else is doing. Yeah. And so you have that kind of divide of like these two PCAs. One that's just. I mean, I call it, it, it's like they're the PCA police. Like they feel it's upon themselves to make sure everybody is doing what they think is the most scriptural, godly way. And so you have that group. And then you have the rest of us who are just like, we just want to do local ministry. If we're wrong, like if we're really being wrong or if we're doing something really heretical uh, in the name of Christ and still trying to be part of the PCA, then yeah. Shoot us an email. Say yeah. you think you're doing something wrong. Well, that's not the way it ever seems to work out. Yeah. Um, that's not how they go about uh, correcting our, our errors. And so, you know, we, we end up just having, like, someone constantly looking over our shoulder, looking at everything we're doing and asking us why we're doing it that way or they, that we need to get out. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people that have left the PCA. I mean, we're just bleeding out people in churches, yeah, because they just can't do it anymore. They they're tired of fighting each other. They're, I mean, it's it's really it's been like this this civil war within the PCA for years. And people are like, I I I just want to do local ministry. Yeah, I just want to know who my neighbors are. You know, that's that's what my time should be. You know, some people say that it's gotten better. Uh, I can see in some ways that there have been more people more vocal about not doing this both sides thing and trying to really pursue justice and pursue truth and and pursue this sense of there is a side that is viciously attacking another side and we have to deal with that. And there have been more people willing to be more vocal about that in the past even year. I think a lot of it's the fallout of 2020. People are just tired of of pretending that everything's just going to, you know, go back to normal. Uh, churches can just go ahead and do whatever. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we do have some leaders that are like, all right, when are we getting back to normal? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I don't think it exists <laughs> the way you think it does. I don't think normal's gone. I think that uh, yeah. your old normal is, you need to have a funeral for that. The world is different. The world is different now. If you could sit down and have a conversation with some of like the standard bearers of the PCA, (laughs) (laughs) um, what would you, what kind of conversation would you like to have? And what questions would, would you ask or where would you press in with 
some challenge, if you felt like you could be heard in good faith? Oh man, what a good question. There's lots of things I wouldn't talk about. I think I think where I'd have to start is this kind of the silence. But you know, when when does somebody like I don't know, I you know, who are the people that's part of the question. Who who are the people in the PCA that this would even mean? Um, you know, say someone like a Tim Keller. Uh, you know, I I've wondered out loud to him, and and in a letter I wrote. Uh, you know, when are you going to speak out? Like when when are people going to stand up? People who have some kind of gravitas, if you will, in our circles, right? Like stand up and say, this is wrong. The things that these people are saying publicly are wrong and we have to put them right. And we recognize the harm that's being done and and the intimidation and the threats to people's lives. Mm -hmm. We recognize that that allowing these people to continue in this direction is harming the church and we can't just sit silently anymore. And so I'd ask them, like, how, do you have a metric for that? Do you know when you're going to do that? Yeah. When would you, what's the line where you feel like you need to say something? Because some of us feel like, haven't we crossed that line long ago? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know where my line is mm-hmm. I and mean, we crossed it. We crossed it a few years back. And I said, I, I just can't sit here and watch this happen anymore. And for so many of us, I mean, uh, I know a little of your story, not a ton, but, um, you know, so I would assume you, you've seen this too. It's like we have done our time kind of sitting silently and watching and just taking it all in and trying to yeah. figure it out, trying to do what's, what's best for everyone. Like I'm not someone who's going to march in and demand things. Like that's not me. I'm not, that's not who I am. By the time that I'm marching in and demanding things, many things have gone wrong. By the time I get to the point I am now, like people who don't don't know me or haven't known me for the past 10 years may come across like something I've written, like, whoa, who's this person? Why is she being like this? Why is she so fired up? Yeah. 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 And I've had that. I've had, I mean, that's part of, not to detour, but you know, it's part of what happened at our last church is that they didn't know me. They didn't know where I was coming from. And they made a lot of assumptions. I mean, they didn't ask. They didn't ask me questions. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, like we we get so fired up because we've been given this neutrality for so long when we see a very clear side doing terrible things. It's like, at what point are you going to even admit that there is a side doing that? Like, this is our reality, you know. And for me, as a woman and a woman of color and having biracial children and having, you know, a somewhat unique story. I mean, there's plenty of us, but, you know, being adopted into a white culture that that's very much like this white supremacist culture. Like, we are the best. We know what God wants. We're the most godly people on the planet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I have this 
this kind of different perspective from a lot of people I know in my circles. And I'm just asking them to listen. Just listen to what I have to say, what I see. I'm willing to have the conversation. And I want I want to hear what you have to say, but you're not even saying anything. <laughs> like you're yeah. not even yeah. saying either way. Like, are you, do you agree with these people or are you disagreeing with these people? I don't even know because you're not even talking at all. I think it's a good point because we also see that in, you know, the ones that are, that write more publicly and speak more publicly when they say something and clearly make a misstep and people push back and you just never hear anything, any like circling back and saying, I regret that. Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that. It's really interesting because many of them are really benefiting from a public platform, but don't do any of that, like circling back publicly to say, I messed up and I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Like with the way I wrote this article, uh, the thing that I just wrote off the cuff without thinking, I thought it was funny or I thought it was smart. And now I realize it was really awful. (laughs) Yeah. We don't see yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, there's a long time that I've I've thought that way about some of the guys that are more public in the PCA. Like, what would happen if you just said, you know, I'm sorry that what I wrote was not, you know, none of this. Like, well, you took it the wrong way, or you guys don't know me, or if if you knew me, you would know what I meant, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, how, how about we not do that? Because what's the point of being on social media if the only way people can understand you is if they really know you? Yeah. And make it private and have only your friends follow you because you are stewarding a public platform. You Mm -hmm. have a responsibility to speak clearly. Yes. And not to blame the other people that you invited in. Right. For not knowing you. Right. I don't like that. Or, or even if they do know you and are just questioning, maybe that wasn't your best yeah. effort. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and it goes back to that sense of power and can we assess power correctly? Because you have someone come onto Twitter, say, uh, you know, a Tim Keller, you know, Tim Keller comes on and, and tweets something. And it's taken a different way by every, you know, million people that follow or listen right. to. And so it's like there's there's a power differential there that I don't think these guys, I mean, I know Tim gets it a little bit, but some, some people just really don't understand. I mean, I don't want to name names, but someone recently, you know, it really looked bad. Get it, and in light of things that are happening that we all know about, uh, in his church and in in questioning his power, questioning like, are you abusing the authority that you're given by by just burdening people or or yeah, uh, with like extra biblical yeah. requirements the, uh, for yeah. faithfulness that don't make any sense. Like this isn't even the point, right? Yeah. The whole world pushes back or many people and it's like, oh, the social media is a terrible place and man, that's right. we're just all getting <laughs> yeah. canceled. And I'm like, no, that's right. let's, we're having, you were having a conversation. I asked you a question and you ran away. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not getting canceled. 
I wrapped up this conversation with Robin by asking her about her thoughts regarding the way forward for the PCA. That audio is available in the Patreon community for those who support the show at a $5 a month level or higher. You can sign up at patreon.com slash untangled fate. I'm still thinking about this quote from Robin regarding our willingness to receive criticism from others. Are there people laboring in good faith who see things I can't see? It is such a great question. I hope we can all make space for these conversations in our lives. Thanks for joining me for this conversation. If you are interested in being a part of conversations like this personally, I would love for you to join the Untangled Faith Book Club. You can sign up at patreon.com slash untangledfaith, and I will leave a link in the show notes. Speaking of show notes, you can find show notes in the app where you play this podcast, but sometimes the links get a little jumbled between here and there. And if that's the case, you can always find show notes by going to untangledfaithpodcast.com and clicking on episodes. If you're on social media, I would love to keep this conversation going over on Twitter or Instagram or through the Facebook page. I'm Untangled Faith on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm Faith Untangled on Twitter. Today's episode is also a great one to discuss with a friend, especially your PCA friends or any fans of Tim Keller. So forward this episode to your bestie and tell them they need to listen because you want to talk about it. The Untangled Faith podcast is hosted and edited by me, Amy Fritz. This podcast is made possible by the support of my Patreon community. A special thanks to producers Michelle Pianic, Phil and Susan Perdue, Pam Forsyth, and Shelley Taylor. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.